Hi, everyone. This is your 1001 Stories Network host, John Hagedorn. And I want to thank each and every one of you listeners for the support you've given 1001 Stories from the Old West. Kevin Sykes will return in the fall with a bunch of great Old West history. But during the meantime, we'll be running episodes of the old radio show, Tales of the Texas Rangers, which features actual stories from the files of the Texas Rangers from about 1936 through the late 40s. This show did very well from 1950 to 52 on NBC Radio and was successful in transitioning to TV on CBS from 1955 to 1958. I especially enjoy the episodes where they go after him on horseback. That still happens today in rough country where they need to go after fugitives on horseback, keeping America's past alive. It's time for another episode of Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McRae. Hope you enjoy it. Listen at the close of this program for an important announcement of a change in time for Tales of the Texas Rangers. The National Broadcasting Company presents Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. Tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles, and 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, Blood Relative. It is 4 p.m. June 26, 1949. Will Bonner, proprietor of the general store at Stump Hill, Texas, is waiting on Mac Kennedy, a dirt farmer. Yeah. Two pounds of flour and the bacon, Mac. Anything else? Yeah, carton of cigarettes. Yeah. How about making it a couple of sacks of tobacco, huh? What's the matter, Will? My credit no good anymore? Mac, I think you ought to pull in your homes a little. Your bill's run kind of high. You get your money, don't you? Ain't a question of getting it, Mac. You stand to make a good crop this year. Unless you have to pay out, the better chance you'll have to get on your feet permanent, without no credit. Let me worry about... Uh, go ahead, wait on him. Yeah. That's all right, I got time. No, no, I'll take care of you, stranger. What do you have? Stranger? Time ain't helping your sight any, is it, Uncle Will? Huh? Ben! Ben! Well, dang it, boy, you changed. How do you like that? Didn't recognize my own blood relative. Hmm. Well, Liz! Liz! Come see who's here. Well, uh, Willie Ann sees you. What is it, Will? Hey, don't say nothing. A uh, fella wants to know you want to buy some uh, perfume. Perfume? Well, Lance, no, Will. You could have told him that. What would I do with... Why... It's your brother's boy, Ben. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> Stop tackling, Will. You, you know about your pa. 
I know he's dead. Oh, being glad to see you, Ben. I almost forgot. It happened last winter. The pneumonia. Yeah, we tried to locate you, boy, but nobody knew where you was. Nobody would have wanted to know. I was in the pen at Huntsville. Huh? That's where I've been for four years. In the prison? Your pa never said... Well, nobody's business but mine. Well, Ben, I... I guess we can talk that over later. You want to stay there's a place here? I ain't asking you for nothing except what's coming to me. I just want you to buy out my pa's share of the store and pay me off. Ben, your pa never did have a share in the store. You only worked for me. What you trying to get away with, Uncle Will? He told me he was going in with you when he moved out here. But Ben, you knew your pa. He always talked big, but he never did have a dime of his own. You telling me about my own pa? No, we ain't running him down, boy. He never harmed nobody, but talking big was just his way. Look, I come to get what's mine. Do I get it or don't I? Ben... There's a bed and a job waiting for you if you want them. You're kinfolk, and that makes you welcome. But outside of that, there ain't nothing here that's yours. You're going to pay me out of you. Just hold on, young fellow. Let me go. Hey, turn him loose. Turn him loose, man. Reckon I can still take care of myself. Maybe can. Maybe you can't, Uncle Will. I'm staying around town to give you a chance to change your mind. I'm warning you. I'm going to get what's mine if I have to kill you for it. On the following morning, June 27th, neighbors found Will Bonner shot to death and his wife Liz critically wounded and unconscious in the back room living quarters of their store. The sheriff called with the assistance of a Texas ranger. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned to the case. Well... That's all of the story, just like I found it, Jace. You look pretty downhearted, Sheriff. Bonner, a friend of yours? I knowed him all my life. He helped me get elected. Hey, bodies in the back room, you want to see it? Yeah. You can stay here if you'd rather. No, no, I'll come. Guess you noticed the way the safe was cracked and the door where the killer got in? Yeah, professional job, all right. I uh, covered Will over with a sheet. Maybe I shouldn't have, but I... It's all right. Coroner hasn't been here yet, huh? No, he's on his way. Hmm. Dead about six, seven hours. How do you figure that, Jase? Rigor mortis just beginning to set in. You see a lot of them, you get to know. Nine o'clock now, that means it happened about two or three this morning, huh? That's close to it. How about Bonner's wife? She gonna pull through? Doc Woodson took her to the county hospital. He said there's a little chance... You've got a deputy posted at the hospital in case she comes to? Yep, he can take any statement she... Sheriff! Sheriff, i got to talk to you a minute. Well, all right, Jody, come in. Farmhand works for Mac Kennedy on and off. Howdy, Ranger. Sheriff? What's on your mind, Jody? Well, I, uh, I just come to pick up some feed in Mac's pickup. Heard about what happened. You know anything about it? Not exactly. But I was in town with Mac yesterday afternoon. He come to trust some supplies from Bonner. What time? Oh, about four o'clock. I wasn't in the store with him, but when he come out and we was driving back, Max said Bonner had a fuss with somebody. Fella threatened to kill him. He say who the fella was? No, but whoever it was, he took a swing at Bonner. Mac had to grab him to stop a fight. Where's Kennedy now? Well, he was out plowing when I left. We won't be able to get him by phone then. Come on, Sheriff. Let's get out there and talk to him. Dead? 
Bill Bonner dead? Yeah, and Liz is mighty close to joining him, Mac. Better cut the motor on your tractor. Yeah. Sheriff, Will should have told you about that fellow. I should have called and told you myself after what he threatened to do to him. Too late for what anybody should have done. You know the man? Never saw him before, but I know who he is. Bonner's nephew. Fresh out of Huntsville, I heard him say so. An ex-con, and you didn't say anything about it? Well, Sheriff, how could I know he'd do it? A blood relative. Wasn't my affair, was it? You know the man if you saw him again? I'd know him any place. Better come into town with us. Talk while we ride. Okay. Did Bonner mention his nephew's name? Well, he, he called him Ben. He will. Bonner had a brother died last year. Must have been his boy. We'll find out. description of Ben Bonner. I put a shortwave radio call through to KTXA. Unit 10 to KTXA. KTXA, go ahead, Unit 10. Request all units be alerted to look out for subject Ben Bonner, recently released from Huntsville. Subject wanted for questioning in murder of Will Bonner at Stump Hill. 10-4. Request special alert on all roads leading from Stump Hill. Subject may be leaving area on foot or by hitchhike. 10-4. Unit 10, clear. Maybe young Bonner didn't run for it, Jace. He may be hiding out someplace nearby. Not likely, Sheriff. If he killed his uncle, he'll go for distance. He killed him, all right. You can bet on that. When a man's life's at stake, Kennedy, I don't bet. Ben Bonner wasn't around Stump Hill. He pulled stakes and made a run for it, all right. We got the information from a woman in the crowd near the store when we got back to town. Her name was Sadie Wattle. She ran a rooming house. I rent all my rooms to extra farmhands generally because I don't have to serve no meals that way with them eating where they're working. So naturally, I thought this fellow was one of them migratory hands. Yeah, yeah, I understand all that, ma'am. All I want to know is when Ben Bonner left your place. Well, it must have been just around midnight last night. Everybody was in and sleeping and the house was locked up and... Well, the phone woke me up, and it was for him, that Ben. Phone, huh? You know who called him? Of course not. I didn't know who he was or nothing about him, except his name was Ben. Uh, did you recognize the voice of the person who called? No. Well, please go ahead about the phone call. Well, I called him to the phone, that's all. Fine time of night to be waking people, I told him. Then he answered it. Right after that, he lit up like the devil was after him. You hear any of the conversation? I did not. I mind my own business. Besides, all he said was hello. After that, all the talking must have been done by whoever called him, because he never said another word, just listened a minute, then hung up and let out. Uh, phone ringing in the store, Jace. I better get it. Go ahead, Sheriff. Well, thanks for your help, Mrs. Waddle. I'm glad I'm alive to give it. Whew. I might have been murdered in my own sleep with an ex-convict under my roof. Ought to be some way we could tell them from other folks. A man who served his time can't be expected to carry a brand, ma'am. Besides... How did you know Ben Bonner's an ex-convict? How did I know? It's all over town, ain't it? Jace, the call is for you. Right there, Sheriff. Thanks, ma'am. Excuse me. Who's calling? Your headquarters, Captain Stinson. Hello, Captain. Got some good news for you, Jace. The highway patrol has picked up Ben Bonner. Fine. Where'd they get him? Almost to El Paso. Patrol car was stopped at a railroad crossing waiting for a freight to get through. They spotted him riding an empty flat. Freight, huh? It's a good thing they saw him. If he'd made El Paso, he'd been across the border into Juarez in no time. Well, he didn't make it. They're bringing him back to 
Stump Hill now. You'll have him there in a few hours. You getting the case against him? I seem to be getting plenty. Well, you don't sound too sure, Jace. I don't know. You look up his record? What was on his last ticket to Huntsville? Burglary, Jace. And that fits. Except for the killing this time. Yeah, it fits all right. Like the executioner's glove. Stump Hill was five miles cross-country from the nearest railroad spur. We had time before the highway patrol would be delivering Ben Bonner. We sent Kennedy back to his farm. I unloaded charcoal from my horse trailer, and the sheriff got his horse. We rode to the railroad tracks. Yeah, he was smart, Jace. Almost got away. Lots of them almost get away. Sure made a lot of distance in a hurry. Don't know why you wanted to be sure he came this way to get to the train. I just wanted to be certain he cut through this five miles on foot. Proves he didn't hitchhike a fast ride and pick up a train further on down the line. Well, luck was with him for a while. He caught the only train he could have caught. You mean only one freight goes through here at night? Yep. Hotshot passenger clears first at about 1 a.m. Freight comes through about 15 minutes later. Slows for the grade here where he jumped it. About 1.15 is the schedule for the freight then, huh? That's right. Well, let's get back to town. Come on, Chuck. You look like that train schedule means something, Jace. It might. Coroner's report ought to be in by the time we get back to town. Hey, I see what you mean. If Bonner was killed between 2 and 3 a.m. like you figured... It'll mean his nephew Ben was on that freight at the time the old man was killed. waiting at the sheriff's office when we got back. Well, you didn't miss by much, Jace. Here's the report on the time of death. What is it? Between 1 and 2 a.m. Then Ben Bonner didn't kill his uncle. Even if he ran the five miles across country, his tracks showed us he walked, he couldn't have made it in time to catch that freight. Doesn't look that way. Bullets from Bonner's body have been sent through to Austin. We may get a lead from ballistics. I'm going to do some more checking around town on the... Just a second, Jason. Sheriff speaking. Oh, good, good. She did, huh? Uh, no, no, you stay right there. Goodbye. Well, Jace, looks like there's been a mistake someplace. That was my deputy at the county hospital. Liz Bonner regained consciousness for a few seconds. What'd she say? She said her and her husband were shot by their nephew, Ben. are listening to Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. We continue with tonight's case, Blood Relative, an authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. The highway patrol brought Ben Bonner back to Stump Hill and unloaded him at the local jail where the sheriff and I questioned him. But I didn't kill him, I tell you. Didn't even know he was dead till now. You said you was going to kill him. You said it in front of a witness. Man, there's a difference between saying and doing. If you had nothing to do with it, why'd you run away? Because somebody called me up last night at the rooming house late. It was a man. Said he was a friend and wanted to warn me the sheriff was going to pick me up a threatening Uncle Will. You scare easy, don't you? You bet your life I do, mister. I just pulled four years at Huntsville and I had enough. I don't want no more. 
Maybe I was tough when I went to Uncle Will yesterday, but last night when I got that call, I was scared sick. And you don't know who called you? No, no, I don't. You know. sure it wasn't somebody you served time with, letting you know he was here to help you with the job? No. Look, you got to believe me. This is a murder act. You can't send me up for it just because I shut off my mouth. That ain't evidence. Ben, there's more than that. Your Aunt Liz didn't die. She came to at the hospital. She says it was you who gunned her and her husband. That's a dirty lie. Look, if I did that, if I shot them and robbed the store, what was I doing on a freight? What did I do with the money? I ain't going to say anymore. I ain't going to talk till I see a lawyer. That's your right. We told you that in the beginning. All right, Sheriff. Guess you can lock him up again. Go on. Go ahead, Ben. Ranger, please. I didn't do it. Maybe the fellow who told you I threatened Uncle Will didn't tell you everything. Maybe you ought to ask him why there was arguing when I come into the store. All but... right, Ben. All right. Well, what do you think, Case? I don't know. Let's get outside. If he did have an accomplice, the other fellow might be carting the loot and the gun. Might be. I'll see you later, Sheriff. I'm driving over to the hospital at the county seat. I want to talk to his aunt, Liz Bonner. Mrs. Bonner, the doctor will only let me stay a minute. Shot Will, just getting up. Who shot him, Mrs. Bonner? Ben. Ben, ungrateful, wanted to help him. How did it happen? There was a noise in the store. Woke us up. Mm -hmm. Will called, said, who's there? Then he got up, went to put on the lights, but Ben shot him. Did he get the lights on? Did you ever see your nephew? No, but it was him. He said he'd do it. It was him. If you didn't see him, did he say anything? Did you hear his voice and recognize him? No, he just shot Will. I screamed, and that's all. But you didn't see Ben or recognize his voice? No, but he said he would. It couldn't be anybody else. I think you're wrong, ma'am. I think it could be. Turned up the road back to Stump Hill and got the sheriff. I wanted to make another check of the store and find out a few things about Mac Kennedy. Doggone it, Jace. You're sending your dogs at the wrong tree. Mac Kennedy's been Will's friend for years. I just asked if Kennedy had ever been in trouble. Never. He's an honest, God-fearing dirt farmer, and that's all. What kind of shape is he in financially? Well, oh, Jace, a man don't have to be a criminal just because he's down on his luck. Max, crops have been bad. Sheriff, I'm just asking a few questions, that's all. Well, I'm sorry, Jace. I reckon Max in Hawk up to his neck. Place and all his equipment is mortgaged. How come he can afford a hired hand? You mean Jody? Mm-hmm. Oh, he just drifts in and out. Ain't much of a worker, but he's all Mac needs. Migrates in in the spring for planting season, then out again in the fall after harvesting. He doesn't work for nothing, does he? Mac pays him right off when he makes his crop and sells it. that the way he pays everybody? Yeah, it's the only time he ever has any cash. Why? Just wondering. Did Mac buy here on credit from Bonner? Well, I guess so. Why? You find something in the ledger? Come take a look. Seems to be a page torn out. The book is kept in alphabetical order. Missing pages in the K's. If there was a charge page in here for Kennedy, it'd be right here. Now you got something I can't find, Jace. What a setup. An ex-con threatens to kill a man, makes it perfect for somebody else to do the job and set the jailbird up for a frame. Come on, Sheriff. Let's get out to Kennedy's place again. Only this trip, we won't be asking questions about Ben Bonner.
one thing still bothering me, Jace. Matt Kennedy's never been in trouble. So how come we both spotted the marks of a professional knob-knocker on the burglary? And it's been bothering me, too. And the more I think of it, the more I wonder why he tore that charge page out of the ledger. Why do something that would point right at him when he had somebody else all set up to take the fall? Just beating the bill wouldn't make the chance worthwhile. Not with murder, it wouldn't. ATX-80, Unit 10. Oh, this may be the ballistics report, Jace. Yeah. Unit 10, go ahead, KTXA. Lab report completed on bullets used in the slaying of Will Bonner. 38 caliber, probably Smith and Wesson Police Special. 10-4, Unit 10, clear. KTXA, Austin. A minute, KTXA. Stand by, please. KTXA, standing by. What's the matter, Jace? Just got an idea, something that didn't fit before. That hand who works for Kennedy, that Jody. What's his last name? Jody? Well, I see it. it. It's Pelham. Jody Pelham. Why? I'll tell you in a minute. You there, KTXA? Standing by, Unit 10. This unit requests quick check on subject Jody Pelham. Repeat, Jody Pelham. Urgent. 10-4. Get back to you with information as soon as possible. Unit 10, clear. KTXA, Austin. Jace, you figuring Jody helped Matt Kennedy to pull this job? Maybe. Or maybe Jody did it on his own. I want to know if he's got a record. What switch you're thinking to him? He was waiting outside Bonner's store for Kennedy when Ben walked in yesterday and made his threats. Well, sure, he admitted that. Kennedy told him about Ben when he come out and they drove on back to the farm. Yeah, but when Jody came into town the next morning and came to tell us about the threats, he pretended he didn't know too much. Just knew that old Will Bonner had been threatened. Couldn't say who made the threats. Well, I don't get what you're driving at, Joe. If Kennedy told him... He must have told him the whole story about the threats coming from Bonner's nephew, a nephew just gotten out of prison. That'd be the logical way to tell it, and that's the way Kennedy did tell it. But Jody was anxious not to seem to know too much. Hey, sure, I see what you mean. Kennedy wasn't in town this morning till we went out and brought him in. Yeah, but when we got back, everybody in town knew that the man we were looking for was Bonner's nephew and that he was an ex-con. Sadie Waddles told us that. Only one it could have come from was Jody. He spread it around while we were out getting Kennedy. When we get to the farm, draw him out. Don't pounce on him until I get an answer on him from Austin. I hope it's the right answer. It may save Mac Kennedy's life. It was dark when we reached the farmhouse. There was a light on in the house, but the pickup truck wasn't in sight in the open garage. We left my car around in back of the house and went up on the porch. Okay, okay, hold your horses. Oh, Sheriff, Ranger, huh? I thought it was Jody coming back with the pickup. Where'd he go? He drove up north to Edgeville this afternoon. Said he wanted to get something. He ought to be back soon. Well, aren't you going to ask us in, Mac? Sure, sure thing. Make yourself at home. Understand you got Bonner's nephew today. Heard a couple of women chewing about it on the party line. Yeah, we got him temporarily. What do you mean, temporarily? He didn't kill anybody, Mac. Hmm? You had an argument with Bonner yesterday. What about? I reckon that's my business. Yours and Bonner's. But he's dead now, so that makes it my business. Better talk up, Mac. Well, uh, I've been running up a big bill. Will was cutting me down a little. You admit you owed him money. Why wouldn't I admit it? I pay my bills... Any man says otherwise is a liar. Nobody is saying otherwise, Mac. You keep a gun around here any place? 
Yeah. What kind? Smith and Wesson 38. It's right there on the mantel over the fireplace. I'll get it, Jason. Oh, don't wipe off any prints. Stick a pencil in the muzzle and lift it that way. Okay. Pencil won't go in, Jace. Something jamming it. Let me see. about prints on that. Outside's been wiped clean with an oil rag. Looks like paper jammed in there. We'll soon find out. I'll take these shells out and poke the pencil through. There. Why, it's Mac's charge page from the ledger. What's that? What are you trying to pull? Take it easy, Mac. We're not after you. Smell this gun and look at it, Sheriff. It was used, then reloaded, but never cleaned. Well, that gun hasn't been touched in years. Mac, this gun killed Will Bonner and almost killed his wife last night. Jody Pelham did it after you told him about Bonner's nephew. But why would he tear out that page and plant it here? So he could use Mac here to give himself a double cover-up. He made the call to the rooming house and got Ben Bonner to run. But he knew if Ben was caught any place and could set up an alibi, there'd be a second search. That's why he tore out the page and planted it here on Mac. I'm sure glad you know it wasn't me. If it was you, you'd have burned the page. Mm, that dirty little... Hey, there he comes now. That's the pickup. You want to help us nail him? I'd like to blow his brains out. There's a better way. Let him feel safe. Here, let me put these cuffs on you quick. Mm-hmm. Put that gun back in the mantle, Sheriff. Yeah, but uh, are you sure that you... Yeah. he says, Mac. Boy, I didn't know anybody was here. Mac, Mac, what's the matter? What are you doing with those things on? What's your guess, Jody? What's in that bag you're carrying? Well, I just uh, picked me up a bottle and a package stone in Edgeville. Yeah, what'd you use for money? You don't get credit on liquor. Well, Mac, Mac, he, he paid me some wages this morning. What, you dirty little liar? Oh, I get it. I kind of wondered where he got the money. Now you know, huh? Well, when I got up last night and found he was gone, I, I sort of got to wondering this morning. You shut up, Mac. All right, Sheriff. I guess we can take him in. You better come along to make a statement, Jody. Sure, sure. I hate to do a thing like this to a friend, but I guess he deserves it. Doing old Bonner like he did. Yeah. I thought you'd feel that way. Let's go. You might as well admit you fired the gun, Mac. A diphenylman test will prove you did. What kind of test is that? A man fires a gun. The nitrate from the powder gets into the pores of his hand. Chemical application shows it up. Well, he, he washed his hands since last night, I reckon. Oh, washing won't get it out. Stays for a couple of days. Uh, you fired a gun recently, Jody? No, no. Well, then we make the same test on your hand. It'll show you the difference. Well, you, you don't have to do that. I, I don't understand that kind of stuff anyway. Mm, that's too bad. I thought you might like to see how we work. Get in. Watch him, Sheriff. All right. Well, Austin ought to have that information I requested before, Sheriff. Yeah. This might bore you, Jody. Unit 10 to KTXA. Go ahead, Unit 10. This unit back in service. Been waiting for you. Have information you requested on subject Jody Pelham. What? What's that? Two years Huntsville burglary. Three years Louisiana State Penitentiary burglary and safe cracking. 10-4. Unit 10, clear. KTXA, Austin. Shut up this car. Let me get out of here. Watch him, Sheriff. Don't make me use this gun, Judy. You rotten. Never mind that, Mac. Here, take these keys and put the cuffs on the right man, Sheriff. We might as well have him there. He'll be wearing them a lot until he reaches the death cell at Huntsville.
Jody Pelham was tried and convicted for the wanton murder of Will Bonner. On the morning of December 6, 1949, at Huntsville Penitentiary, his sentence was carried out. Death in the electric chair. And now, here again is the star of our show, Joel McRae. Folks, Tales of the Texas Rangers is moving to a new time. You won't hear us next Sunday, but the week after that, we'll be back just an hour and a half later than usual on NBC, right after Theater Guild. So, we'll see you in two weeks, on Sunday, November 26th, and I hope you'll be listening. Good night. Good night, Joel. See you one week from this coming Sunday. Remember, friends, as Joel told you, Tales of the Texas Rangers will come to you an hour and a half later immediately following Theater Guild. Beginning next Sunday at this time, you'll hear Hedda Hopper's fine program. The week after next, November 26th, Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson will be with you again. A week from Sunday, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of The Texas Rangers. currently seen starring in the MGM production Stars in My Crown. Tonight's cast included Tony Barrett, Bill Johnstone, Joe Duvall, Virginia Gregg, Parley Bear, and Byron Kane. This story was transcribed and adapted by Joel Murcott, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. One week from next Sunday... Tales of the Texas Rangers will be back with you immediately following Theater Guild. Consult your local radio schedule for time. This is Hal Gibney speaking. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. The National Broadcasting Company presents Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. Tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles. And 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, hanging by a thread. in the morning of May 5th, 1947, the telephone rang in the sheriff's office in the little town of Finney, Texas. Sheriff Hanson answered it. 
Sheriff's office, Hanson speaking. Sheriff, this is George Hawks. How are you, George? What can I do for you? Nothing now. Nobody can. Uh, how's that? I just called to tell you I'm going to kill myself. What did you say? You heard me. It'll take you 20 minutes to get out to my place. By that time, I'll be dead. Now, now, wait a, wait a minute, George. What? Hello? Hello? George! Uh, operator! Operator! Yes, sir? Oh, this is the sheriff. That caller just came in here. Where was it from? One moment, Sheriff. Uh, if this is someone's idea of a practical Hello, joke... Hello, Sheriff. Yes, yes? That call was placed from 317 out on Gum Creek Road, the residence of Mr. George Hall. <laughs> Sheriff raced out to the Hawks Ranch and found George Hawks dead, hanging in the barn. Then he made another discovery which prompted him to put in a call to the Texas Rangers. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned to the case and drove to the Hawks Ranch to meet Sheriff Hanson. Jace, am I glad to see you. Howdy, Sheriff. It's been a long time. Yeah, a month of Sundays. I hope I didn't call you down here for nothing, Jace, but this looks mighty fishy to me. So I want you to take a look at the body. Hasn't been taken down yet? No, I put in a call to the coroner, but he was out somewhere. I left a message for him to come out here as soon as they could locate him. How'd you find out about the body, Sheriff? I got a phone call, Jace, about 9.15. Said it was George Hawks and he was going to kill himself. I thought maybe it was some joker, so I traced the call. And? It came from here all right. So I drove out fast as I could, but George was dead. Hanging by the neck in the barn. No pulse. Body's still warm. Sheriff, I know you didn't call me down here to investigate a routine suicide. What's the catch? Well, I'm getting all that. Come in the barn. This is just the way he was when I found him. You notice that's a wire he's hanging from, not a rope. Yeah. Cut off the clothesline, probably. Huh? How do you know? Guessed. I saw the clothesline had been cut, part of a dragon on the ground in the yard. <laughs> you rangers don't miss much, do you? Not if we can help it, Sheriff. Well, I want to show you something I found. Look at this, right under the body. Mm, it's an oil drum. Right. And the exact position I found it in, on its side. Now you'll notice, Jace, that... It's the only thing near enough that George could have stood on while he put the wire around his neck. Here's the rim marks where it stood on the straw before it was tipped over. Yeah, only he didn't stand on it. Look at this end of the drum. Thick with dust. Hmm. Now look at the other end. Dusty, too. Jace is not a sign of a footprint on either end of this oil drum. You're right, Sheriff. He couldn't have climbed up in the loft and jumped, or that wire would have taken his head off. Yeah, that's what I figured, and that's why I called you. What about fingerprints? Nope. Couldn't find any, just a few smears. What does it spell to you, Jace? Just one word, and an unpleasant one. Murder. <laughs> pictures of the body, and we took down the broken clothesline and nosed around for more evidence. The sheriff went up to look over the house while I combed the barn. How'd you make out up at the house, Sheriff? Nothing, Chase. Absolutely nothing. No note from George. Everything tidy. No sign of a struggle. Funny nobody's around. Who would be ordinarily? 
His wife, Millie, one of the hands. He had two men working for him last I heard. How are you coming, Jason? I found a couple of things, but not the thing I want. What's that? The tool that was used to cut the wire he's hanging on. All I found in the barn here was this pair of rusty pliers. Well, couldn't they have been used to cut it? No, Sheriff, they wouldn't cut butter. Mm-hmm. Besides, the cut's too clean. How about footprints? No luck yet. But I think I've found what the killer stood on to string the body up. What? The stepladder. I found it under the tool bench. Been used lately. Marks in the dust where it had been dragged out and then pushed back. What are you fixing to do, Jace? Going up the ladder and take a look at the beam where the wire's looped over. Here, here. I'd better hold it for you. Pretty rickety. Thanks. Find something? I think so. What is it, Jace? Look at this. Stuck on a splinter where the wire went over the beam. It's a piece of black thread. Yeah. Black wool thread. <laughs> well, are you a string saver, Jace? In a case like this, yes. Let's take a look outside. Mm-hmm. What about a motive, Sheriff? For suicide or murder? Either. Well, can't think of a one offhand. George was a pretty normal guy. Happily married. Didn't have any enemies that I know. How about those two hands you mentioned? Well, this new one, Brad Johnson, been working for George about six months. Only met him a couple of times. Seemed to be all right. In a quiet sort of way. And the other? <laughs> Old Tom. Oh, he's okay. Drinks a lot. George used to fire him regular and then take him back when he sobered up. There's no good footprints in the yard here. Nope. Ground's packed pretty hard. Oh, Sheriff, hmm? Car coming up the house. Is that the corner? That? Uh, well, no, that looks like... Well, sure, that's George Hawks' car. That's Millie driving it. Mrs. Hawks. Come on. We'll have to tell her, Sheriff. This is the only part of the job I really hate. Yeah, I know, Jace. Sheriff, what are you doing out this way? And... Well, morning, Mrs. Hawks. This is Ranger Pearson. Howdy, ma'am. Ranger? What's happened? What's the matter? I'm sorry to have to tell you, Millie, but... George. Something happened to George? Yes. He's dead. Oh, no. <laughs> Come on, oh, Mrs. No. Hawks. We'll take you to the house. No. I can't believe he'd do it. Mrs. Hawks. When did you last see your husband? Just a few hours ago at breakfast. How did he appear at breakfast? I mean, was anything wrong? Was he upset about anything? Well, yes. There was a big fight at breakfast. I never seen George get so mad. A fight? Between you and your husband? Well, all four of us went on it. Old Tom and Brad was there, too. They're the hired hands. How did it start? I cooked breakfast for the four of us, like I always do. Old Tom was late, so we'd started to eat. When we were about through, old Tom came staggering in. He was half drunk. Again, huh? Yes, Sheriff, again. Then he and George had this big row, and George fired him for being drunk. Go on. Old Tom was fighting mad. He gets mean when he's been drinking. Started making all kinds of wild accusations. What kind of accusations, Mrs. Hawks? Lies, Ranger. All of them lies. He said he wouldn't have been drunk if Brad hadn't bought liquor for him. Brad? Well, that's what he claimed. Said Brad got him drunk on purpose, so he... Oh, it was awful. So he could what? Well, it's a lie, Ranger. What did he say, Mrs. Hawks? Well, old Tom said to Brad, 
I wouldn't be drunk if you didn't buy me the stuff. You're always trying to get me out of the way so I won't see you... So I won't see you playing up to the boss's wife. Then what happened? Well, Tom left, and my husband started swearing and threatening Brad, accusing him of what Tom said. Brad said it was lying, and George threw some money in his face and told him to get off the place that he was fired, too. What did Brad do? I thought for a minute he was going to hit George, but he didn't. He went outside, and a few minutes later I heard his car start, and he drove away. By this time, George was in a terrible rage. He even threatened to kill me. So I grabbed the car keys and ran. Did he ask you where you were going? Yes, he did, Ranger. I told him I was going into town to see Mr. Harris, the lawyer, see about getting a divorce. What time did you leave? About 8.30. Ranger, you said you found him hanging in the barn. Well, if it was suicide, why are you asking me all these questions? Because I don't think it was suicide, Mrs. Hawks. I think it was murder. <laughs> doctor arrived. The sheriff borrowed a horse from the corral. I got charcoal out of the trailer and we headed for Tom's shack up in the hills. There it is, Jace. Just around those rocks. That Tom's horse, Sheriff? Grazing out back? Yep. He's around someplace. Up, charcoal. Yep. I just can't see old Tom as a killer, Jace. He ain't the type. Huntsville's full of them, Sheriff. Killers who aren't the type. Oh, oh, charcoal. Oh, boy. Yeah. Try the front door. Okay. All right, Tom. Open up. He's not here, Jace. I can see through the windows. Shack's empty. What the? Somebody's shooting close by. Maybe Tom. That shot came from back up in that draw. Come on, Sheriff. There he is. Back by that clump of trees. Is that Tom? Sure is. Hey, he's running toward the trees. Hold it, Tom. There we are. I'll put one over his head. Ah. Yeah, he's starving. See what he's wearing, Jace? Yeah. Black sweater. Now, what's all the commotion? All right, Tom. Throw down that rifle. Sure. Sure, Ranger. But, uh, what for? Why didn't you stop when I told you to? Well, to tell the truth, Ranger, I didn't hear you. I'm kind of deaf. I heard you shot, though. Yeah, that's right, Jace. He's hard of hearing. What's that, Sheriff? Oh, never mind. Why'd you shoot at us, Tom? Shooting you? Why, I never did no such thing. What were you doing then? Ain't no law against a man killing himself a rabbit for supper. All right. Get his rifle, Sheriff. Let's go. Huh? Where to? To your shack first. We're going to have a long talk about George Hawks. I'll tell you, Ranger, I didn't know George was dead until you told me a minute ago. What call would I have to kill him? If he was killed, he was my friend. You don't seem very clear about what happened this morning, Tom. Well, I... I was a bit foggy. I had me a couple of nips. But I do remember George getting mad and firing me. What happened after that? Well, I took a few more out of the bottle in my saddlebag. I don't remember much after that. I must have rolled up here and fell asleep. Woke up a while ago. I was hungry and I went out to get me a rabbit. Tell me, Tom, you often draw a blank when you've been drinking? Do, do I what, Ranger? Have a blank space. Do things you don't remember anything about later. Oh, I suppose I have once or two. Hey, wait a minute. I didn't do it. I couldn't have killed George. He was my friend. These your wire cutters on the table, Tom? Oh, yeah, they are. 
I'll take them. And I think you'd better come along to town with us. are listening to Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson at our new Sunday time. We hope that our many friends who have listened to us at the earlier hour will continue to be with us each Sunday. And for those of you who are hearing our program for the first time, we extend a warm and cordial welcome and invite you to be with us each Sunday from now on. And now we continue with tonight's case, Hanging by a Thread. An authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. The finger was pointing straight at Tom. When we got back to the Hawks Ranch, there was a man in the back lot feeding the hogs. It was Brad Johnson, the third witness at the breakfast fight. While the sheriff took Tom into town, I got Brad's version of what happened. And then he threw the money in my face, Ranger. Thirty dollars. Told me I was fired. I wanted to hit him, but I didn't. Then what, Brad? Then I got my duffel bag, threw it in my car, and drove off. Where'd you go? To Finney. Drove around town for a few minutes, and then I went to the White Spot Cafe and had a cup of coffee. What time was this? When I was in the cafe? Oh, about 9.30, I guess. Why'd you come back here? Well, somebody in town said that George had killed herself and that the coroner was on his way out here. So? Well, I figured if it was true, there wouldn't be anybody to do the chores. We fired old Tom, too. And Mrs. Hawks always treated me so friendly. Well, so I come out to do what I could. Yeah, very nice of you. Tell me, Brad, is there anything between you and Mrs. Hawks? No, sir. That's a lie, Ranger. Never even spoke to each other except at mealtimes or say good morning. What are you planning to do now? Well, I don't know. Have Mrs. Hawks till she can get somebody, I reckon. I see. Well, I gotta be moseying along. Oh, uh, don't leave town without letting me know. Oh, I, I won't, Ranger. I'll be around. I got the evidence off to Austin and then went to the White Spot Cafe. Brad had been seen there at 9.30, and Mrs. Hawks had been with her lawyer half an hour before. I radioed headquarters that I was staying over in Finney, and about 9 that night, I got a phone call. Hello? Jace, Captain Stinson. I've got the report on that stuff you sent in today. You got a pencil? Sure have, Captain. Shoot. On that black wool sweater, the thread you sent in the envelope matched all right. It's definitely off the sweater. How about the wire cutters? I'm afraid I got a disappointment for you there, Jase. They couldn't get a match. I'm afraid the murder wire wasn't cut with the tool you sent. Are you sure, Captain? The boys in the lab are. They made sample cuts with every millimeter of those blades and couldn't match up a single one with a murder wire. Oh. What kind of a fix does that put you in, Jase? Oh, I'm not sure. Well, thanks, Captain. I'll keep in touch with you. All right, Jase. Good luck. <laughs> need more than luck. Things were really getting tangled up. It was about 4 a.m. when I finally dozed off trying to dope it out. Then at 8.30, I met the sheriff in his office. Well, you look like you've been through the ring at Jay's. Hotel bed's too hard for you. No, but I didn't get much sleep trying to figure this Hawks thing out. Looks like we have to let old Tom go, Sheriff. Why? What's up? The lab says Tom's cutters didn't cut that wire. They didn't? No. 
Of course, old Tom could have used other cutters, but in his stupor, I doubt if he'd be that clever. Uh, well, I hate to complicate things more than they are, Jason. What do you mean? Karna called a little while ago. He sent in his report over with one of my deputies. Should have been here by now. His verdict is suicide. Suicide? Oh, that doesn't make sense. Well, apparently it does to him. We'll know when the report gets here. Yeah. George Hawks, deceased. Climbed up a stepladder, put a wire around his neck, and then placed the ladder neatly under a workbench 12 feet away. Mm-hmm. My dusty oil drum snoring things up, Jason. Considerable. Morning, Sheriff. Mm. Howdy, Ranger. Hi. Morning, Joe. Do you get it? Yep. I had to wait while the car on the side it. Here it is. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Anything more I can do, Sheriff? Uh, no, not right now. Well, I'll go get me some breakfast then. Yeah, let's see. No marks of violence on the victim's body. Autopsy disclosed no brain injury. Death probably caused by strangulation. Coroner's conclusion, suicide. Signed, G. Parker Coroner. Hmm? There it is, Jace. Couldn't be. Now, here's something from the doctor. I examined the body at 11.30 a.m. It was my opinion the death occurred approximately three hours previously. I'm in... Hey, wait a minute, Sheriff. Well, what is it? That'd make it about 8.30 when George died. What time did you say he called you? At 9.15. Great suffering. Sheriff. Are you sure it was George who called? Well, now that you mention it, I, I'm not sure. Said he was George. Could it have been somebody else? Yeah, I suppose so. It's beginning to piece together, Sheriff. Whoever it was could have killed George, then called you and tried to sound like him. To establish an alibi. Exactly. And then pop up someplace else a few minutes later. Like the White Spot Cafe. I'll call you later. Well, where are you going, Chase? Back to the Hawks Ranch. <laughs> Pulled up to the ranch, Brad Johnson was running water into the big trough near the barn. Well, hi, Ranger. What brings you out this way? I want to talk to Mrs. Hawks. We're releasing Tom. Coroner's report came in a few minutes ago. Suicide. Is she around? Why, sure, she's up the house. Okay. Oh, I... I just happened to think... Charcoal, my horse here in the trailer, hasn't had a square meal since I left headquarters yesterday. Is there some hay around that I could give him? Why, sure, Ranger. Some fresh bale just inside the barn there helps sell. Thanks. I'd be glad to pay for it. No, no, forget it. I'm sure Mrs. Hawks wouldn't mind. Oh, uh, have you got something to open one with? Why, sure. Here. Here's my cutters. took the cutters into the barn and made some cuts on a wire sample. After I gave the cutters back to Brad and fed charcoal, I spoke briefly with Mrs. Hawks, and then I tore out for the lab in Austin. By one o'clock, I got the results. Here it is, Jace. Take a look. The wire's matched, Johnny. See for yourself. That dual microscope never lied to me yet. The left one's the murder wire. The one on the right is one of the samples you brought in. That's it. Well, look at those striations. It's a perfect match. Thanks, Johnny. Take care of this stuff. Got to get back to Finney pronto. Oh. Will you do me a favor? Sure, Jace. Call the sheriff at Finney. Tell him I'm on my way and I got something hot. I'll be there in two hours. Well, Jace, you sure made good time. What'd you find out? We got positive proof the murder wire was cut with Brad Johnson's cutters. Brad's? You gonna pick him up? Not right yet, Sheriff. Why not? We only know that Brad's cutters were used. We don't know he used them. We've got to be sure. What are your plans, Jason? I've been thinking. 
Those stories that Mrs. Hawks and Brad told me, they were alike, all right. Too much alike. What do you mean? A couple of times they used the exact phrases. Mm -hmm. What about Tom and the black thread? We'll keep an eye on him, but I think he's clean. He could have caught his sleeve on that beam doing anything. Pitching hay or anything. Yeah, he could have. Well, uh, what do we do now? We've got to catch him alone. Brad and Mrs. Hawks. When they don't know anybody's around, we got to hear what they say to each other. Maybe after the funeral. It's this afternoon, 4 o'clock. You know where it's being held, Sheriff? Sure, out of the ranch. It'll be a graveside ceremony. Where's the cemetery? Clear over on the other side of town from the Hawks' place. Yeah, it'll take them a while to get over there and back. Sheriff, while they're at the cemetery... You and I are going to the ranch and fix up a little surprise. There. That ought to be all right for that one, behind the window shade. Quite three microphones, Jace. Wouldn't one do? Not if they wander around the house while they're talking, Sheriff. I want to hear everything. Yeah, but how do you know that Brad and Mrs. Hawks will talk? How do you know we'll even come into the house? I don't know, Sheriff. I'm guessing... My guess is that after the funeral's over, somebody's going to let his hair down. Hey, it's almost five, Jace. They'll be coming back soon. I'm finished in here, Sheriff. Now all we have to do is string the wire to the stakeout. Come on. We'd hidden my car in a lane down the road and set up our equipment in a clump of trees close to the house. Three neighbors' cars drove up, then Brad's. We watched him as he fed the stock. About sundown, the last of the guests left the house. There go the last of them, Sheriff. Can you see Brad? He's been in the barn the last few minutes. Mm -hmm. There he is, Jace, heading for the house. Good. Put on your earphones, Sheriff. I want you to hear this, too. There he goes, up on the porch. Yeah. You know what I want, Brad Johnson. Well, he's not here. I know different. Okay, Sheriff, let's search the house. All right, Jace. I don't know what this is all about. You'll find out. He's not in the kitchen, Jace. All right, Sheriff, work this way. Ranger, what's the meaning of this? He's not in the back of the house, Jace. Maybe he's... What was that? He was upstairs, Sheriff. Sounds like he jumped from up there. Come on. Don't see him. He didn't run for his car. Couldn't have gone far. Maybe he hit for the highway. Let's... What's that? Chickens in the barn. Something scared them, and I think I know what. Come on! If we play this right, we've got them trapped. 
I know you're in there, Brad. Come on out. All right. Dark as pitch in there, Jason. Turn on your flashlight, Sheriff. Take the other side. I'll look behind those things. Okay. bad? Don't think so. My shoulder. Here, give me your flashlight, Sheriff. All right, Brad. I'm coming up. No. No, don't come up. I'm coming down. Come on where we can see you, then. With your hands up. Jace, he's jumping. Oh! Jace, you all right? Yeah. Yeah, I fell on his back, hit his head when I hit him. Is he dead? No. No, Sheriff, he's not dead. But I can't say he won't be, though, when the state gets through with him. After Mildred Hawks turned state's witness, Brad Johnson confessed to the murder of his employer. For her part in the crime, Mildred Hawks received a sentence of 50 years in a women's prison at Huntsville. Johnson's sentence, death in the electric chair. And now, here again is the star of our show, Joel McRae. While most of the mail that comes to us here at Tales of the Texas Rangers is written by grown-ups, the youngsters have their questions, too. Tonight, I'd like to read you a postcard from a boy in Newark, New Jersey. It says, Dear Mr. McCray, I am nine years old. Me and my friend Tony was talking about being Texas Rangers when we grow up. How do you go about getting that job? Your friend, Tommy Cook. Well, Tommy, a lot of people have asked us that same question recently, and I guess maybe it's high time for us to tell them. First, a ranger has to serve at least ten years as an outstanding police officer. Then he may compete with others for the job. If he's selected, he works under the wing of a ranger captain for at least six months, and then he's put out in the field with other seasoned rangers for a year and a half. By this time, he is or he isn't a true Texas Ranger. And Tommy, your card's being sent to Colonel Homer Garrison, Jr., chief of the Texas Rangers. Good luck. Good night. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. is currently seen starring in the Universal International Technicolor production, Saddle Trent. Tonight's cast included Tony Barrett, Byron Kane, Betty Lou Gerson, Jeff Corey, and Wally Mayer. This story was transcribed and adapted by Andrew McBroom, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. This is Hal Gibney speaking. Thanks for joining us for Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McRae. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn. This is 1001 Stories from the Old West. Reviews are always appreciated.
Stay safe, everyone, and we'll be back soon.